0: Need a bigger potion. Snakes.
1: Why did have to snakes? Life uh, finds a way. Welcome back to Spielberg chronologically. This is the podcast where that guy over there, Eric. Hey, how's it going, Eric? Eric, by himself, with no assistance from me, reviews all of Spielberg's movies in chronological order. I'm just kidding. I'm here too. My name's Jeff. I'm watching this too.
0: How, uh, how'd it go for you this week? You got things going on. You, you got this, uh, this is the the timing of when this released releases is going to be off, but in real life, you're in the middle of this, uh, one one movie per day Van Damme marathon.
1: So I'm purposefully torturing myself. That part's going great. Yeah. Uh, I love Van Damme movies. Almost all of them are an hour and a half. You don't really have to pay that much attention to them. You throw it on in the background. He fights a bunch of guys and you move on with your life. Go check out 30 Days of Van Damme wherever you get your podcasts. Did you set it up as its own separate podcast? It's just it's on its own feed. Oh, that's great. Um, and... You can go find it and you can ignore it. It doesn't matter. It's just for me. I love Van Damme and I'm realizing through the process, how much I do and how, and why, um, it, yeah, I, 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 I love him. Yeah. There's... Do you have anyone that, uh, you know, any actors or anything that just, uh, you're just like on board, they're on screen. You're on board.
0: You know, I don't know. I'll have to think on it and get back to you. I, I, I don't think I do like there are some people that I usually enjoy, you know, like like I like a good Brad Pitt movie, you know, like I always enjoy Brad Pitt in movies. But it doesn't mean like I like every Brad Pitt movie, you know. Right. Um, and, and I don't know why I pulled Brad Pitt out of my ass because he's like far from my favorite. But I just was thinking of somebody that I always kind of am happy to see show up on screen. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I don't think there's anybody that I like make a point of going to see their stuff. Like there's, there's genres, you know, like I try to catch all yeah. the sci-fi stuff. You know, I'm a Star Wars guy. I watch all the Star Wars stuff, but I don't think there's like uh, a particular actor that I,
1: that I. Right. Know. And there's re- there's director uh, like Shyamalan. I go watch a Shyamalan movie. I don't care if it's crap, if it's good. A hundred percent. I'm just going to, I'm just going to watch it, the new Shyamalan. It's yeah, just going to happen.
0: Yeah. Same, same. Uh, yeah. So the, yeah, there are, there are directors that I definitely make a point of seeing their stuff, but actors, eh, you know, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So so th- I guess the question is, uh, how did you find time to squeeze in Empire of the Sun? Because it ain't short. Um,
1: <laughs> um, so I put on about 30 minutes after work last night. And then I set my alarm for 7 a.m. and I crawled my butt <laughs> out of bed. We record, for those who don't know, around 1030 in the morning on Saturdays. So I finished the movie. And then I turn the mics on, right? All right. So this is what I've done before. Like, there's some movies I'm like, woohoo, gonna watch. Like when we do any of the Indiana Jones ones, it's like that's just easy, that's cake. Put that on, enjoy yourself. This is two and a half hours. It is long. It is long. So I guess
0: just knee jerk reaction because you're fresh off, you're fresh off the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Thumbs up or thumbs down. Like that's all. Just just a quick yes or no on a it. A binary. Uh yeah. it's
1: a down. It's a down. It's a down. Yeah. Not So this is the new I think the new um what do we want to call it? The bar, right? The 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 standard of whether something is good or bad in this podcast is something evil. And if it's worse than something evil or if I would prefer to watch something evil, then it's a thumbs down to me. I would rather watch something evil than Empire of the Sun the second time. Oh my god!
0: Like my jaw is not like <laughs> this is so. Uh, I like I didn't I'd hate it. it. Like, like I didn't love it. Like it wasn't like yeah. It's not like top five I mean, or it's anything. Not but 1941, I've, it's not that bad. I think I would rather watch this again than something evil for sure. In fact, I was sitting here this morning contemplating whether or not I should watch it again before the rental uh, runs out. So really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I think there's a lot, a lot of interesting stuff going on in this movie. I think it has its problems, you know, I think like if I had to pinpoint the biggest problem I have with it, it's that it doesn't seem to have much narrative drive, you know, like, it it, yeah. it kind of meanders along um and there's not a huge uh the story is like a subtle story there's not you know there's not a great escape there's not a mission there's not you know something to really there's no big climax to the film you know yeah. like like it just kind of it just kind of happens to you the way that it happens to the character um so so that felt odd to me like I I was kind of thinking of it in terms of the color purple which we just watched
1: and which was two and a half hours which is
0: similar length similar scope better but there were these big emotional powerhouse moments you know there were peaks and valleys in that movie and this this movie was just like kind of like a steady uh thing but that said like I I didn't hate it I, I did think that there were a lot of interesting things in it I thought the themes were interesting um it was fun to see christian bale as a little kid
1: uh yeah and he starts talking <laughs> okay so and he does not shut up uh for the run time of the film
0: he really is a jabberjaw. this isn't he like he just chatters on it he reminded me of my younger son he's i hate this kid super chatty super chatty super chatty
1: um so do you have any history with this film or is this the first time you've seen it none i i Knew nothing about it. So one of the things is Ben Stiller's listed on the cast list. So I'm looking for kid Ben Stiller in the movie. I'm like, was that him? You know, because I'm thinking that Ben Stiller and Christian Bale got to be about the same age, right? Right. in my brain wrong but nope he's in his (laughs) 20s he looks like Ben Stiller so I was like oh it's not not hard to miss I didn't see him in
0: the credits so when he showed up I was like what (laughs)
1: like (laughs) yeah
0: shows up like two thirds of the way through the movie and I was like oh dude uh yeah so I I have seen this film once before and I, I think our experiences are not unusual I think this is like one of the least seen Spielberg films but I saw it once I think in the 90s I realized that I hadn't seen it. It's one of these things that I've always meant to see. It's kinda of like the Aviator. Like it's a Scorsese film with DiCaprio. Oh. It seems like something I should see, and I've never seen it. And one of these days no. I'm gonna make a point <laughs> to see it.
1: But I may be the wrong person to ask, but no. That oh. movie is dull as dirt. It's like this, basically. <laughs> like how I feel about the aviator is I don't know. Aviator's worse than this. Really? Okay, okay. I, in my opinion. Now, like, now I'm, I'm going to have you, to watch buddy. it this week and report you back. You do buddy. But, but, so but I'm I am just not saying, watching it again.
0: There, there are films floating out there that are like kind of these big epics that, that I just haven't made time for. And so at one point in the 90s, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to knock this off the list. And so I went to the library- or I was at the library and I saw it and I was like, you know, this seems like a thing I should have seen by now. And so I just grabbed the VHS and watched it. And at the time I remember having about the same reaction that I had this time. Like, yeah, that was interesting. It wasn't like the best I, you know, with Spielberg, I do expect like that emotional gut punch and I didn't get it. And that feels weird to me. Um, Yeah. So like, I, I think that this is definitely a departure. Like there's something different, going on here than we usually are getting in the Spielberg film. So
1: um it still very much feels like Spielberg, uh from a cinematography. And of course you have John Williams. John score. Williams is
0: there like in a big way. Yeah.
1: Yeah, big time. Um what would you say happened? I, I mean what's the story? What what is the takeaway from this movie? That's what I'm having a hard time with.
0: Well, I, I think there's the story and then there's the themes. So, like, the story, kid, British kid, uh, like, son of colonialist, industrialist types is living in Shanghai in the 1940s in a life of total privilege. Uh, and he
1: acknowledges, too, we're kind of lucky, aren't we?
0: Yeah he, yeah, he does. And, like, his parents are maybe less acknowledging of their privileged lifestyle so basically it's interesting this they lay it out at the beginning in in a really awkward narrated crawl at the beginning but essentially yeah. like british people have come into china and rebuilt a mini england in china and so there's like churches and shops and neighborhoods and it looks just like england. which was
1: what i was wondering i'm like why are all these white people here and i kind of thought what i it threw me off because i'm like what is this I think they were there uh, raping
0: the land and you know oh like, yeah that makes sense like, okay <laughs> putting, yeah putting like <laughs> taking advantage like bringing industry and taking oh. advantage of the local workers and uh, oh okay you know, so they did an American they were Got building it. the 1940s version of Nike factories in China and so, so- they
1: tried to do the Europeans tried to do to China what they did to Australia and the United States. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm, kill off I'm,
1: the natives and I'm wondering okay.
0: with how much manufacturing and stuff is in China. Like if this sort of thing still exists, like I'm sure it's not as segmented as it was like in this world, in this movie, but I'm wondering if there are like just white people, neighborhoods of the people who are like, you know, still there, still or there. Yeah. Um, But anyhow, okay, so so he's he's living in Shanghai in this like British community, you know, singing at the church and stuff. And then, of course, you know, everybody sees it coming. But, you know, nobody takes action to get the hell out of there. Uh, Well, they
1: don't seem to worry much at all. Like we're on the brink of World War Two. Well, if it's not already in action, it, uh, you know.
0: It seems like they thought that maybe they were in a position of privilege where they would be left out of the war, you know, like we're not Chinese, we'll be fine, you know. Um, but Japan invades China, which is a piece of the war that I haven't often seen in film, you know, as an yeah. American, we get like the American view. So typically there's a lot of like the European war in movies, and then there's some in of the Pacific War. In movies, but like all that stuff that was going on over in Asia between Asian countries, it's not something we often see. So, like, Japan invading China and like all the crap that went down during that was kind of like new, you know, like that, yeah, new, new I to agree. me, you know, to me, too. So, an interesting setting. So, essentially, like, these British people get usurped, like, they're in the war, like, Japan rolls in, they're like, whatever, British people, you're you know. You're here. We're taking your stuff. We're knocking you out of your houses. You are mm. uh, oh. you are gone. And so, mm. uh, long story short, <laughs> in the initial push, the boy gets separated from his parents, much like five in an American tale. And you know
1: what I called this movie? Home Alone, Lost in Shanghai. That's what this <laughs> is. At least there's a, a segment where he's home alone and he's riding his bike through the house and, and he thinks, this is great. And then it kind of when he runs out of food, he's like, "This is not great."
0: Yeah, he ends up having to go out into the world. Uh, long story short, he gets captured and put in a camp, and that's where like the second half in the movie, like this movie, really oh my God, felt it took like so long to get to that. two halves. You know, there's like the the pre-war breakout of the war, separation, kid ha- like inhabiting this haunted empty house. You know and then the part in the camp like they felt like very, two very separate halves to me it almost reminded me of uh what's the movie you with private pile uh uh the, the vietnam
1: movie uh, mash pluto oh Plutonium. what is it called platoon
0: no not platoon the other apocalypse one apocalypse overnight no
1: um
0: yeah uh, it's another movie that feels very much broken into two halves There's like the first I don't the know. first oh, half takes uh, place
1: is it the the kubrick one yeah the kubrick one yeah, yeah, um, the f- bad steel, hard face. Oh my god, metal people listening, metal down
0: people listening to metal, this are like screaming ew. at us
1: right now, <laughs> <laughs> screaming at you. I've never claimed to like that man, uh, um, but
0: anyhow, yeah, like the first full metal jacket, full metal jacket. Yeah. Jesus Christ, thank you. the uh, The first half takes place at at. Uh, basic training, and then the second half is in, in the war itself. And that's what this felt right. like, you know, like there are two two pieces of this movie. So the the second half takes place in the camp, and it's all about how Jim survives in the camp as the war progresses and eventually starts to wind down, which turns out to be one of the most dangerous times of the war for the people in the camps. And then uh, in the end, Jim is reunited with his family. So, I mean, that's, that's the real short version of what happens in this movie. But yeah.
1: I think... Uh, there are, there are moments in this movie that I do like, and there are performances I do like. Do tell. Do tell what you do like. Uh, I, I enjoyed all of Malkovich's stuff. I thought he was charismatic and captivating. I thought he was an interesting character because I didn't know which, where he really landed, right? Yeah. You know, he was, uh, is he a good guy? No. Is he a bad guy? Yeah, probably. But he's got a little heart. But not a lot like he's really nuanced in like his motivations and he's certainly very selfish, but he will help someone out as long as it doesn't inconvenience him too much. But and I think he's John Malkovich is great Uh, uh, as soon as he comes on screen. He's the best thing in the movie. Yeah, it's it's funny because when he shows up in the movie. My wife, like, they don't show
0: his face initially. Like, he's kind of got this hat pulled down or whatever. And my wife is like, is that Bruce Dern? Who is that? I know that voice. I knew who it was because I've seen the movie. Yeah. And I just let her kind of suffer for a while. And then she saw him and she's like, oh, my God, he's a baby. <laughs> he's
1: like, he looks like he's Until like 25. Until his hat comes off, I'm like, I don't see it. You know, like I knew who it was, but then finally his hat comes off and you can see the, the receding hair and all that. You're like, oh, there he is. Malkovich, Malkovich. Yeah. And then we got Joey Pants, uh, who is just feels kind of wasted in this movie. Yeah, it's um, weird. Uh, what's he Joey Pants in? What, what movie is that? Um. Well, I remember him in Daredevil, but also Memento. Yeah. Um, I see him. I think Goonies and Matrix. Um, Yeah. Uh, uh yeah okay but i i I guess for me i mean the big one was memento yeah
0: yeah i yeah i get daredevil too i think i've only seen memento one time maybe we've got a uh another chronologically coming up here so we can go what through we should do
1: is watch that movie in revert like i don't know someone out there has probably oh, chopped that 100 percent. that's on youtube somewhere yeah for sure yeah because that's the only way i'd like i still don't know what happened in that movie um, but anyway, anyway, <laughs> maybe filming movies backwards isn't the best idea. Um, but what do I know? I'm not a the like the only living auteur right now. Um, so what else did I like? Uh, well, that's
0: about it. Yeah, An- interesting. Like I'm, I'm surprised you didn't like. We've talked on the podcast before about you know like how Spielberg stages these scenes that are like pretty big and pretty complex. And this, for sure, to me has it felt like the biggest movie so far. Like this is a big movie. Like there are scenes with it has to be thousands of people milling around these sets, uh, and it looks like you know 1940 Shanghai, um, and and some of the scenes in the uh, the internment camp and like the the processing camp. You know where they go first before they go on to the the camp where they're building the runway. Um, like just huge numbers of people, you know, and cars and planes and oh my God, that scene towards the end in the stadium, like that's not a special effect, right? Like that looked like they dragged all this old timey expensive stuff out into this stadium and filmed this gigantic sequence out there with, you know. I, I, I,
1: he had money coming off of et color purple indie i mean like just give the man what he wants and i think sometimes it's i don't know if that that's the case here but it feels like a recipe for disaster you know i yeah where you just just take go make whatever you want here's a blank check as they would say i i have to say i did find it really striking
0: like some of the some of the scenes like particularly that stadium scene i was just like jaw dropping you know uh, just the scope of the thing. There's that that scene uh, at the beginning of the film where they're kind of running around and they're getting separated in the crowd, which really reminded me, by the way, of uh, what's going to come along later in War of the Worlds. Yeah, There's, Schindler's List. Oh, Schindler's oh, List. War of the Worlds. I was thinking War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise and his kids trying to make their way through the crowd, and they're like on the verge of getting separated. It's a very like similar. That movie's sequence. a bit
1: underrated. I look forward to watching that again. Oh man, I
0: can't wait to watch that. I love, I love yeah. that movie um but anyhow so so uh and maybe it's not during that sequence but eventually when Jim is downtown he kind of comes around the corner and there's this giant gone with the wind mural yeah on the wall and like first like somebody had to put that up there you know like <laughs> it wasn't just there uh but I think that that is really kind of like a, a tipping of the hat to the scope of this movie i think like it's kind of like a way of saying this this is a big epic the way that that's a big epic and here's a big sign on a big wall to let you know that we're going big you know and uh so i did i did find that impressive um i found the set work impressive like that the camp Mm -hmm. felt like a real place um a lot of the smaller parts, uh, I enjoyed. Like, I liked the doctor. I liked the bit, uh, with the mosquito net and the payoff that comes with it later.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, some of the other people that kind of recur in the camp. Um, and I imagine some of them had bigger parts and they were, you know, cut for size or whatever or for time. But yeah. <laughs> haven- Thank goodness. Uh, another thing that we've been, uh, I feel like I'm just jabbering on, but another, no, no, I, you, you, <laughs> another thing that we've you, talked you, about lately with these 80s movies is like special effects and did the special effects hold up or did the special effects oh yeah, not hold definitely. up? And in this, like I didn't see one false moment. Like I didn't see a special effect in this movie, you know, like the whole damn movie. It just felt real to me. Like, yeah, like maybe the exterior of the stadium was a matte painting, you know, like I'll I'll, I'll give it that. But even that was pretty darn good, you know, and uh, coming right off of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where it's like kind of some real eyebrow, you know, huh, giving it the side eye special effects. This looked fantastic. Like, they're, they're like yeah. I would show this to a modern movie goer. And I don't think they would have any grievance at all with the way this was filmed. Like the planes look real. Like there are shots of those planes coming down, and they're like dropping bombs on the runway, big yeah, explosions, the, and yeah. and like, like it all looks real. You know, it, it's very impressive the way it was filmed.
1: Yeah, I agree with all that. I think it is a good-looking movie, and I think, and it's totally that I take it for granted uh, because of all the the Spielberg we have watched. That I, I just expect him to be competent, you know, and yeah. that's like going back to Shyamalan. I've always liked the way he shoots things, and even in the bad movies, that's just there, you know. And it, I guess it kind of becomes a blind spot. Um, so, uh, the there are moments I like there. There was when uh, he is with Mrs. What's her face, uh, Victor. And, you know, she dies, and then he thinks her soul's going to heaven. And I'm like, nah, bro, that's a nuke. <laughs> like, I, th- those are the things I, I, I kind of appreciated that the, while they weren't full fledged characters, that the Japanese weren't just shown as the ruthless enemy. Uh, the internment camps, I mean, they're treated pretty well. I mean, nobody goes hungry. Um, and okay, maybe they go a little hungry, but they're at least fed. They're not kept in cages. No, they're not kept like in cages. if you go and watch, if you go and look at what the U.S. were doing to their own Asian citizens during World War II, way worse than what's happening. At least in this movie, I don't know how. Oh, accurate oh for sure, it
0: is. for sure. Yeah, I, I was just thinking in terms of like. Like, I don't think at that point in the war that military really had the resources to be feeding all these hundreds of people. Um, and there there were moments, like, uh, when the guy just kicks over the, the pot of rice and potatoes and everybody's scurrying around in the mud trying to scoop up what they can get. Um, you know, like, that's uh, not the greatest treatment. I don't think I would call that the
1: greatest. Well, no. <laughs> you know. I'm not saying they're at the Ritz. Yeah. But they have roofs over their heads. They have their own sections. Like people are out and about. It looks like a little village half the time. And again, I'm just talking about this film. I don't know historically how accurate it is, but he's running around doing chores and, hey, and the, uh, they're washing clothes and it's, it looks like a nice day out maybe, you know, and it just feels like they're sort of captured and left to take care of themselves to a degree. And I, i think for them it's kind of there are worse things especially during world war ii obviously but oh yeah
0: um, yeah definitely definitely worse options during world war ii but uh i don't know i i found i found the jump from spoiled british colonialist to uh haggard camp survivors to be very sudden you know like i know there's a time jump there and they kind of like i think use jim's hair <laughs> as as the signal <laughs> as a signal that there has been a time yeah. jump you know you got like kind of well coiffed jim and then you got raggedy headed jim um but like during that time they go almost immediately in terms of the film from no i'm not going to move these rocks for you to hey look we have a garden you know and yeah. and uh so that jump felt kind of sudden
1: to me um i wonder yeah t- i think there's a lot of character development that feels that way to me um in the sense i don't really think there's a lot of character development like people start a certain way and they end a certain way other than jim just being completely you know ptsd'd but just broken, like, just broken by the end of the yeah, movie. Yeah, but like Basie doesn't really develop; he's basically the same guy he started as. You know, and I guess those are the two main characters in this movie: yeah. is Jim and Basie. Yeah, and um, then there's
0: like some kind of peripheral people, like you were saying, Mrs. Victor and and the doctor. And oh, she's
1: an. I I don't know her character. I just so unlikable. Like this kid's in the way. There was one funny moment though, where he's like, "Do you believe in vitamins?" <laughs> She's like, what the hell is with this kid? (laughs) I thought that was hilarious because he doesn't shut up and he asks the weirdest questions. Well, I go to the school of life.
0: (laughs) I felt like there were pieces missing from that storyline. You know, like it felt to me like he was staying with them and they were almost being like surrogate parents to him. Right. But then I felt like as he was entering puberty, that was becoming problematic to have him there in such close quarters with them because... There is that creeper scene where he's just sitting there, you know, watching them try to get it on. And as a 14 year old with zero guidance in life probably would, you know, uh, but then, you know, they're booting him out. They 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 toss him. In fact, Jim gets tossed from where he's living like three or four times in this movie. And
1: there's about six or seven times in this movie where you think Basie's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Like they just keep like, look, he's dead again, and you're like, oh, okay, he's dead. Like you mentioned with the mosquito net, they say, oh, you give the mosquito net to the person who's going to die next, or the, you know, and then the mosquito net goes around Basie, like, oh, he's doomed, and then he's just fine the next day. I, I and then there's like they go in to his room. Basie's gone. Oh, is he dead? You know, like, there's just so many moments where I'm like, okay, he's dead now.
0: And he never dies. He's just... I think that speaks to the unreliability of Basie's character in yeah. in general. Like, I'm with you. I think he was one of the most fascinating parts of the movie. Um, And, and I'm also with you. Like, one of the questions that I have for you, uh, which we'll skip, is, you know, is he a villain? Is he a hero? You know, because we, he's not. I don't think he's either. Like, I think that he is a guy who is willing to survive by any means necessary. And Jim just happens to be in his orbit, you know, and I think. And he is able to serve
1: a purpose. He is able to serve a purpose. And so there, the, the when he first gets the kid, he's trying to sell Jim. Yes. And then when he can't sell Jim, Jim's like, wait, I still have value. I can show you where all the rich people live and which houses to break into. And then that kind of gets them all captured and they end up in the camp. And then it's like he doesn't really care. But then Jim actually serves a purpose when they bet on whether he's going to survive or not. And then at that point, he's like, "Okay, he's still like, yeah, Jim's Jim can go get extra food. Jim can go, you know, but I don't
0: I, I think that Jim learns lessons by being around Basie. I don't know if Basie is teaching him those lessons. And I think that Jim assigns this relationship value to Basie that Basie does not reciprocate. Like, I think Jim feels like Basie is his friend because he's a kid and he's naive and he doesn't see what's going on. I think Basie strictly sees Jim as a tool to be used. And, like, to the point where he sends him through that fence to check to see if there are mines there under the pretense of going to look for pheasants that everybody damn well knows aren't there you, right. you know like he risks this kid's life just to see if his escape route is clear and then they sit there and bet <laughs> on whether or not he's gonna he make it back care. yeah yeah he 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 does not care i don't think that he. i think that's a He's slightly invested in Jim's survival. I don't think he gives a shit if Jim survives. Yeah,
1: he's like, if I can. And then the one time he does try to save him, it's completely just like no questions asked. They just go and make a huge mistake and kill an innocent person. Yeah. Um, that said, so, I don't think Jim would have survived without Basie.
0: I, oh, I yeah. don't think Basie is trying to yeah. keep Jim alive, but I don't think that Jim would have made it without having that contact with Basie and just kind of picking up those survival skills from him. I think Basie yeah. is, uh, you know, he's a hustler, and I think some of that hustle just kind of, like, rubs off on Jim.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that's a good point, too, that there's no real villain in the movie. and I don't know. Just I think the movie feels a little aimless to me. Yeah, it does. And sometimes you can... I guess film things as a sort of slice of life and not necessarily have a plot and there's ways to do it. I don't know which way to do it. Or even if I'd know any movies that I like that do that, but it just feels like what, what is the story? Why are we following this kid? And, and maybe it's because it defies cinema tropes so much that there's no mile markers along the way to kind of lead you where you're going. And that's like with the John Malkovich thing. I'm like, okay, now he's dead. Right? Like, it, I just feel like this character is going to die and it's going to move Jim to the next phase of his story. And then it just doesn't happen. It, it, I don't know. It's just kind of weird to me.
0: Well, in a way it's kind of like the movie happens to the viewer, the way the war happens to Jim. Like Jim has no agency in this movie whatsoever. You know, like, he's a kid, and he's just kind of shuffled from one place to the other, and he does his best to scramble and survive and do what it takes, but things happen to Jim. Jim doesn't proactively make things happen, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the way the movie is, too. Like, it, it just kind of happens to you. You, you. you don't really feel super invested in it, I think because there aren't any characters to latch on to and yeah. and the stakes are more like: Is this person going to slowly starve to death, or are they not? You know, and like and so it, I, <laughs>
1: like it's. I think that's a perfect way to put it. Like if you and if if I don't care about the lead, I don't care about the film. Right. Okay. And I I think that's what it comes down to. Jim, the only emotion he evokes for me is annoyance. Shut the hell up! You know, like he just keeps talking, and he runs around, and I don't know. There's no point where i relate to the character right i mean so maybe if i had a love of planes i might you know because that's his true obsession he loves planes yeah, my wife my and wife if, said this movie should be called jim loves planes like, <laughs> yeah jim loves planes home alone five but he i i mean i there's moments that we're supposed to have feeling to them and you just don't like when he's singing. For those pilots, um, well, yeah, but I'm what, like, what? This should have been a
0: what feeling yeah. are we supposed to have in that moment? Like, right. Like, it is such a weird, twisted, like, like are like, are we supposed to feel for his weird camaraderie with kamikaze pilots? Are we supposed to have a memory of? the dickhead child he used to be and have sadness that that child no longer exists because i'm not sad that kid's not around anymore uh like are we supposed to have like some sort of uh patriotism moment for the british people kind of overhearing him sing it like what are we supposed to feel in that moment because all it left me with was like man this kid is jacked
1: up (laughs) like like this kid's priorities are fucked you know like i mean he's sing- maybe he's doing it for the sake of the kamikaze pilots who are just about to die uh... like all i can think is that like he does feel this camaraderie with
0: the pilots which never goes away and it it doesn't matter which pilots they are you know, right. it, well, and
1: even at the beginning of the movie, he says he was thinking about joining the army on the Japanese side to be a pilot. Yeah, he just loves the planes, mm. and so yeah.
0: you know, and and uh, I I think that he does state at one point that he's never been to England, and I think that he has a very displaced. Uh, view of country and citizenship and loyalty and all that. Like he obviously doesn't feel any loyalty to the Chinese. You know, like all they are is people to work and be a jerk to. You know, um, and be a fr- yeah. Even to the point where it's like I'm joining the Japanese side. You know, like I yeah yeah. And so I think his only loyalty is to people that share similar values to him. And in this case, it's the pilots because all he gives a shit about is yep. the planes. You know, so. But it is—it does lead to some really weird moments, like like his re- repeated showing of respect for the Japanese pilots, yeah. just plays strangely because again, there's not enough of a character there to really latch on to. I mean, like one of my questions for you is going to be: at any point in the movie, did you like Jim? And clearly, your answer is no. And I.
1: I never rooted for him. I didn't care if he got food. I didn't like anybody in the movie. Even Basie. Basie was the only, like, at least captivating and felt fleshed out. But he's not good, you know? Like, he just is selfish and... No, I didn't care for anyone. I didn't it didn't make a difference to me if he made it back to his parents. They never show the parents again looking for their kid, so there's no emotional attachment there. Basically, the parents disappear and you don't see them again till the very end of the movie when they find him. And they look like they've been um, just fine. I don't know where they
0: went, but they certainly weren't chilling in a camp cuz they're all well-fed and shiny and glowing and, you know, they uh they are not all burnt out and shell-shocked
1: like their neighbors, right. you know. So I, I I think that just what it comes down to for me I I mean because while I'm watching this I'm trying I'm thinking okay how do I compare this to like Saving Private Ryan and another war I'm generally not a war movie guy just it doesn't do anything for me and I'm like, I guess the characters must have been better in Saving Private Ryan I remember liking that more than this this is just a waste of two and a half hours to me. I, I I don't feel like the movie respects the viewer's time by actually doing something in the runtime. You know, like, there's so much space and fat that could have been trimmed off of this movie.
0: Yeah, and and then on the other side, at times it does feel like it's moving too fast, like it's making these time jumps and things. So, yeah, I, I, I see your point. I think I appreciate it more just, again, for, like, the scope and the filmmaking and just the effort that it t- took You know, to like build all this stuff and make all these Mm -hmm. sets and bring these hundreds of people together. And, you know, like like in that way, I found the movie to be. uh, Well, I I have a hard time saying I enjoyed it. I did have a sense of awe at times just over. And and that was purely from an academic standpoint
1: of like, wow, that probably took a lot of work to pull that off. You know? Yeah. The whole sequence when they are doing like kind of that last bombing run there and he's standing on top of the building like woohoo planes and the doctor's like get down you idiot and he's like yay planes that was a spectacular looking scene yeah i do. i do think that that's the scene
0: in the movie where his brain breaks like i think that's the point where like that's the point of no return for him i think that is his nervous breakdown moment there when uh because he immediately shifts from that, you know, the woohoo planes to I can't remember what my parents look like. But even that plays in a way that feels weird and unrelatable. <laughs> the whole movie, it's really hard to relate to it on any sort of emotional level. Because this kid is latched on to things that we either don't know about or don't care about. Or, yeah. or seem inappropriate. You know? Like... Like he starts as this privileged colonial colonialist person that we don't really like. Like he's a jerk to his servants, you know, he's a jerk to his parents. He can't sit still in the car, you know, like he's, he's just really privileged and shitty. And then he, I guess his best moments are early on in the camp when he's kind of hustling and trading and stuff like that. Like, yeah. that, But uh, this whole weird obsession with, you know, the enemy and their military and those people and so on. It's hard to relate to. Like I could, I could see how it could happen to a kid. Like I could see how, you know, an impressionable kid who barely remembers his family. These are the only authorities, you know, that he has known. And so he is going to kind of latch onto that and do his best to, you know, make a good impression on this authority that is the only authority he's, you know? Uh, And so that's how he develops this kind of weird relationship with the camp commander. And he's able to kind of Mm -hmm. get away with little things because the camp commander, you know, he seems to have this weird mutual respect thing going with him. Um, But again, it feels not developed enough. Like that whole thing between him and the cap, the camp commander, like it it feels like there's
1: some pieces of that story missing. You there's know, a lot of it missing because they, there's a point where he saves the doctor from being beaten by yelling at the captain who's been vicious. Most of the movie breaking a bunch of windows and then bowing before him saying something in uh, Japanese, I'm assuming. And then that gets him off for some reason. And there's no other context to why I mean, the only thing I remember him doing that the commander liked was the singing for the kamikaze pilots.
0: Yeah. Now, this might yeah, I, sound weird to you. You say there's a lot of fat that could be trimmed off this movie. I feel like I would enjoy it more if it was like a mini series and it was longer and we got more about the camp and more about the people in the camp and, you know, kind of their, their interactions and why they are the way they are and why Jim has engaged with these people so much and so on. Like I would watch that. I know I'm see I'm seeing your face. Podcast listeners cannot see Jeff's face. I can see Jeff's face. He is very unhappy.
1: <laughs> with, with, I with That my... sounds like the worst possible situation. <laughs> now, I think that you might be right, but it have to be directed different and made better. I mean, so okay, Pride and Prejudice. You familiar with Pride and Prejudice? Of course. So there's the newer one with Keira Knightley. Yes, and the guy that plays Darcy. Yeah, I hate that one, and I prefer the BBC miniseries. So I can see right. where you're going. Yeah, yeah. But the BBC miniseries. Is different actors and performers, and it's directed different and more competent. And while we know that Spielberg is competent, it felt like he lost the plot on this one. And I don't think giving him more would fix it. I don't know. Like I don't think more fixes the fact that Jim is unlikable. But when and, when Mrs. Victor died, did you give a shit? Because I didn't care. No, right? Of course not. Because she's mean the whole time. Right. But maybe if she we has saw... a scowl on her face. And does it anytime Jim is around? She's like, I don't want this kid around. Right. And so when she dies, this movie is a bunch of Jim caring for people that he shouldn't, that don't care for him because he doesn't have anybody else though. You know? Right. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, to each their own. If you want to watch six hours of this, have at it. But if you can't accomplish it in two and a half hours, Six hours is not gonna help. Like, okay, so in my opinion.
0: I, I I would just like to see some of those other side characters developed more so I could better understand Jim's relationship with them. You know, like like I, I feel like in general most of these people in the camp started out as colonialist, colonialist jerks yeah. that I automatically almost across the board dislike. <laughs> Just by the nature of who they are, you know. Like, right. I will not move this rock. Ha! You know, and oh, old boy. You know, like the guy at the party making fun of the Chinese guy and complimenting him on his English and like some like backhanded compliments sort or of way. Like these people are right. These people are well.
1: No, when he straight up uses a, a, a epithet. Epithet. Yeah.
0: What's the term? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, and then, all epitaph. of a sudden, <laughs> epitaph, all of a sudden, <laughs> they're in this camp, and we're supposed to feel some sort of empathy for them uh, because they're suffering and they've suffered but that piece of the puzzle is missing you know like their conversion well, and from I think the camps are
1: again not that bad I mean like uh, we'll get to like Schindler's List and how things can be really awful and you don't need character development around all of those characters you're just like that's a human being going through this but in this you what you've got like you said is uh, elitist snobs actually being humbled and having to work with their hands for a change. And the average person's going to be like, yeah. How's that feel? you? know, like it just, I do feel some of that is misguided. I feel
0: like some of that is the, the filmmaking though. Like, I think, I think that this is shooting for a PG at the time or a PG 13. And so I think some of that is downplay. Like some of the combat is like not bloody. And I feel like, like, but if you think about it, like there are dead bodies laying around all over the place. Like people are just kicking off, like even immediately in the camp, you know, they're dying of dysentery and you know, like the, like Jim, crawling over dead bodies, not literally crawling over dead bodies, but there's people laying around through most of yeah. the movie, you know, and as they're on that long walk to the stadium, they're just dropping like flies, you know? Like, So I do think that their suffering... I don't want to put a quantitative value on suffering by comparing it to other suffering, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, their suffering could have been much, much worse. No, but, I think like, that there is... <sighs> But it's but they don't know that in the moment in the
1: camp. It's I mean, it sucks. Right. I hate being there. Sure. But it's not like the torture. And I don't I don't know where I'm going with this, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But I think I I think to those people in their
0: experience, they don't have that context. Right. Like they don't know that in this other part of the world, there's another group of people who are suffering way, way worse, you know. Um, which I don't. I'm not at all trying to like say that this is as bad as that. I'm just saying to those people's experience in that moment, they don't know, and so to them, their suffering is the worst suffering ever. You sure.
1: Know? I, I and I can get behind that, and I do think they feel that way. Yeah. But as a viewer, I didn't care. Yeah. Like just wash your clothes. <laughs> just kind of wave your, your finger at them potatoes. and tell them to suck it up. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not even that. It's like they got to make me care and the movie doesn't.
0: Yeah. I I think that's fair. So where, where are
1: we at on this? Do you want to you want to move on to questions like do we want to get any? Yeah, I'm done. I don't I don't know what there's left to talk about because once you discuss. OK, let's talk about Christian Bale. Then how do you feel his acting is? we talk about how spielberg is great with kids how do you feel about this like i feel like his acting
0: is good i feel like he does what is asked of him i feel like the character is awful you know yes. like i i think that he starts off as such a horrible kid you know and I mean, there are worse kids, obviously, you know, but he's just, just privileged little snot, you know? And, yeah. and I feel like his evolution through like being a hustler and then being broken, like I, I never, I could never grasp onto it to the point where I could like feel for this kid, you know? And, and so I don't think that's necessarily the fault of bail. I think it's like partially that the, the character as it was written just isn't super relatable. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, so I think I think in the end, like I come down on the uh, Christian Bale was good in this part. I feel like the character yeah, is. I not think good. his
1: performance is what they asked of him. Um, I was going to say compare him to Elliot.
0: Oh, Elliot! Oh, like by by a mile, and it seems right. like madness in this day and age to say Henry Thomas is better than Christian Bale, but Henry Thomas was better than I'll Christian I'll do it. Bale. I yeah. don't care. Uh, like.
1: I was just waiting for Christian, someone to get young Christian Bale's eye line. I was ready for that, for him to just start yelling at someone. I, uh, I, I mean, I. Uh, so, uh, we don't rate these movies. I don't know. It's just not. It's a, like I said. It's a thumbs down. I'm not going to watch it ever again, and I don't think that someone who is interested in Spielberg necessarily even needs to watch it i don't think it represents like twilight zone we mentioned it being this sort of turning point and in the history of his cinema i don't know that this does anything to separate him because there's movies that are war movies that are way better
0: yeah i feel like this is kind of uh like again like the largest scope that spielberg has worked in and so i feel like it's kind of interesting to watch it on that level i i think that like it does feel like a precursor again for things like War of the Worlds and
1: Schindler's List.
0: It almost feels like a trial run for Schindler's List. Yeah. You know? I would
1: say that definitely this is like Schindler's List light. Yeah. Um yeah. so
0: I give it like a thumb to the side slightly cocked up, you know? Okay. <laughs> like wow. Like uh, definitely not a solid. We'll use thumbs an down. analog.
1: <laughs> scoring thing if i gotta if i
0: gotta the, give an analog if i gotta be
1: scoring no, data that's binary oh oh, right 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 that's binary analog would be like my thumbs like at a uh, 48 degree you right know, right but yeah if i had to be I binary, like the binary personally i would give it a thumbs give it up. up yeah i would okay yeah, well more more up than down agree to disagree sir uh would you you mentioned you were thinking about watching it again before your rentals up you're gonna actually do no that? no probably not of course not no of course not you got van damme to watch no that's me (laughs)
0: so let me i got a few questions left that we haven't covered because a lot of them you know we talked about already you know like the colonialists and the suffering and the japanese pilots and all that and basie and uh what do you think basie's backstory is like before he was a sailor like we kind of know he was a sailor but where do you think
1: this guy comes from he's born on that boat he was Born on that boat, he's been. A, he is, but he is who Jim would grow up to be if he just kept being around Basie. I don't know. like. There's a there's a Basie for Basie that would be mine. There's a Basie guess. Prime, yeah, yeah, Basie Senior.
0: Yeah, I kind of i I had similar thoughts, not necessarily about the boat, but I saw him as like an orphan who had been taught these skills. You know, he's an Oliver Twist. You know, like yeah, like he's been taught these survival skills, and you know. Is just so freaking bent on survival that he'll do anything, you know? Yeah. There is no right or wrong with this guy. There's just seeing the next day. I
1: kind that's what I like about the character. Like if this movie were Basie's film and he was this roguish guy that we followed him through and he kind of runs into this young kid that he uses you would have this at least twisted feeling inside about this main character you've been following that you want to survive. You don't necessarily agree. Like I think that would be a better film if this were just watching Basie and all the things he has to do to survive and the compromises he has to make morally. I think that's a better film.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I could get behind that. Uh, when Jim talks throughout the movie about reuniting with his parents, he brings it up a, a few times. Did you feel like he was just being naive, like like he was naive, not being naive, like on purpose? But you feel like he was naive. What do you mean by like like he <laughs> like in the wasn't, moment? Did you think, oh no, they're dead, you are done, like that's never
1: happening? I didn't think about his parents at all. Like when them being, like, he's I, I miss my parents. Oh, okay. Like, I don't know. I didn't even come to my brain. I didn't care. Like, <laughs> I was at no point like, oh, his parents, poor kid. I Whatever. You know, that's how I felt. <laughs> Just go away, kid. Shut up. Fair enough. <laughs> how did you feel?
0: I, I thought he was being naive. I thought, like, he was never going to yeah. see them again. I thought they were dead for sure. I mean, I know? guess
1: like, in that, like, if I were walking beside him, I would probably have to be, a, listen, kid chances are your parents are gone yeah don't hold out hope like I mean but as a viewer I like, I was just like please end
0: <laughs> uh the Americans in the film they're kind of outliers right like this movie is not necessarily about Americans so when the Americans come into the camp how uh how did you feel about the way they were portrayed like did it make any impression on you
1: no like I just because our only real American is Joey Pants and uh, Basie and no, like they felt they felt like a non entity really in the movie. Like it just when they do show up at the end, it's almost like, oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> I forgot the Americans were in this uh, that were in the world war and they were fighting with Japan. Huh? It, I it just kind of felt more left field because they weren't much like a lot of things in this movie developed in any way, other than my knowledge of history.
0: Yeah, I, I get that. I thought it was interesting the way they kept themselves so separated. You know, like there was the American dorm basically, and then there was everybody mm-hmm. else in, in the camp, and I got the, the impression that beyond Basie and Joey Pants, most of those guys were captured soldiers, you know, whereas yeah. whereas these other people were all I, civilians. I always get the
1: feeling that uh, Ben Stiller was a pilot. He looks like a pilot. Yeah. There's something roguish about him in the movie that, eh, he's a pilot. Again, it would have been interesting to get some backstory on some of these guys, you know, like... So I would say, let's not make a longer movie. Let's move the camera to follow this group of rogues that's a better movie and then cut the kid out entirely (laughs) just forget all the civilians they're just the backdrop for the movie sure i think so you know i i'd watch that
0: so i guess the last question it's 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 clear that you didn't enjoy the movie what did did you think this movie was about anything Did you think there was, like, a theme? Did you pull anything out of this movie? The
1: only thing I'm like, maybe. So there's, at the very end, there's this reoccurring character. So we know that Jim loves planes, and he used to throw this, like, toy. Oh, one thing. His toy plane. When he finds that plane and his toy plane is just flying around him unmanned, where do you buy one of those?
0: (laughs) Same, yeah, same. I was like, that's the coolest toy ever,
1: yeah it doesn't it's not real i don't know like it's like a fully remote controlled plane but they didn't have remote control planes he throws it once and it flies around like crazy anyway so he throws his plane around he's just big into planes and then he meets this chinese boy or japanese boy um who also loves planes and they develop just a quick like surface level you like planes i like planes and then at the end of the movie, they sort of start becoming friends. And Basie's crew shows up, and this young Chinese or Japanese boy is killed. And you're like, okay, so maybe they're showing like we're all humans, but it didn't, it's done so quickly and just thrown away. Like, hey people on the other side of the war are humans too you know and it just is like I guess we gotta say that that's the only thing I can see like them trying to say um I think you could talk a lot about like if you're doing the war and you want to see a different perspective the the nuclear bombs going off what that meant to the nation how that felt you know you could have dived into that I just I don't feel like in any way that this movie, have a direction or a theme it was trying to hit it just accidentally grazed some maybe
0: yeah okay i i i took it as you know the loss of innocence right even though i don't feel like jim was ever truly innocent he was a child right and at one point he takes he makes the conscious choice just to like chuck all of his childish stuff in the river you know all these things he's been carrying around uh the the life covers and his toy plane and so on like he takes all this stuff that he's treasured through the war and just tosses it in the river um i i took that to mean at least they were trying to get at this is jim's you know loss of innocence this is this is his rejection yeah. of his childhood and you know Uh, and then at the end, you see that suitcase full of his stuff kind of floating in the water, you know, and that's, that's his innocence gone because this kid is like a shell of who he used to be. Yeah. Um, but then on the other side of it, you know, like I also felt like the movie was strangely making a case for this ruthless pragmatism and survival, you know, like like it was necessary for Jim to shed his innocence and embrace this basey lifestyle to get by. And so like in some ways it seemed to be endorsing uh that, you know, survival at any costs, you know, if you have to use other people to get by, that's what you should do because there's no other way to do it, you know. Uh yeah. so Again, weird juxtaposition, you know, like on one side. And, and that's why I think none of this stuff really quite lands because uh, because the two themes are so divergent. And uh, so, yeah, again, not my favorite, but in- interesting, you know, interesting. Um, So, yeah. So what's up? Uh, what's up? Fair enough. What's up next? What do we got coming <laughs> up in two weeks?
1: Oh, God. I uh, we have to watch. So I was like thinking as I'm watching Empire of the Sun, I'm like, thank God next week is the last crusade. Thank God next week is the last crusade. Well, I'm an idiot. It's not. Next week we have to watch always.
0: Oh
1: no! Remember when you said, you mentioned this movie in a past episode, like, cause we were talking about, I think something evil. And I was like, I think this is going to be the worst thing we watch. Or even 1941, maybe. And then you said, well, Always is out there. I'm like, what, is that known for being bad? So we're going to find out. Oh, yeah. I don't.
0: I Again, there's another one that I watched in the 90s because I thought I should. And uh, holy smokes. Yeah, I really thought you were going to say Last Crusade. I, I, I wasn't uh, expecting that. Now, you know. That Always punishment to come bearing down on us
1: yeah so then after always we finally get Last crusade and then what comes after last crusade you ask i do ask what Rufi. Oh. oh jesus christ Rufi. oh Rufi. <laughs> oh i'm not going to join your chant i'm sorry <laughs> that's fine i'll do it alone uh well so i i don't know uh Uh, The Gaming Nexus. You can go to GamingNexus.com to find Eric's written reviews of games. Uh, You can go to his YouTube channel. You can find him on Twitter, at Eric underscore Hotter. All of those links are in the description. If you want to find some stuff from me, you can go to Podcast by Jeff on Twitter. You can listen to one where I review Van Damme movies very quickly. I'm not trying to be too thorough. Uh, uh, Movie Draft House, where I yell at Mark because he doesn't like Van Damme as much as I do. Uh, of course, again, this will be dated by the time it comes out, and then budget arcade review, free to play, and independent video games. Did you have something else to say? No, I didn't. But uh, thanks
0: for listening, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks for always. <laughs> Good
1: luck. Hey, maybe we should do a bonus in between, just to just to like let's do to, to kind of like keep pay. the punishment at bay a little bit. Yeah, just to just to have something to. You don't like if you're gonna. You don't want to eat a shit sandwich, right? Right. Now, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna have shit for bread, but in the middle we're,
0: we're gonna, gonna some, have some blood. tasty meat. We'll find. We'll, we'll discuss off air what we're gonna do, but we'll find some tasty meat yeah. to throw in maybe the middle. Maybe
1: we'll day. find a bonus, something in the middle. We'll see. Ya maybe next. Maybe week. next week. All right. Bye, y'all.